Welcome to the Ogilvy Podcast, featuring expert conversations and analysis on the complexities of business, culture, technology, and marketing. Ogilvy is a creative network making brands matter across 132 offices in 83 countries. I'm Steve Mudd, host of the Ogilvy Podcast, marketing strategist and agent provocateur. So when a server visits my table at a restaurant for the first time, I put down my phone, I stop the conversation, I turn my full attention to the person in front of me. Everybody does this. No one wants to miss the soup du jour, the happy hour special, the seafood dish. If I've already dug into the menu, it's also a great time to ask questions. How's the gnocchi? Which cocktail do you recommend? Are your bananas sourced locally? The server then goes away, and I'm left to make an informed decision on what to order. I can't count the times that a server has saved me from a questionable decision, a flashy cocktail that's all hype, no alcohol, a Velveeta-covered quesadilla, a special that's not so special. In the world of business... Why don't more leaders and executives treat their employees as well as they treat restaurant servers? Executives and leaders expect employees to hear every word they say, write it down, take it as gospel, and execute those orders accordingly. But many don't take the initial step to listen to their employees to understand the the current highlights in the kitchen and the limitations that may not be apparent just from reading the menu. By some reports, at least one-third of employees worldwide don't think that their company listens to their ideas for improving the business, and most leaders act surprised when their own initiatives fall short of expectations. My guest today on the Ogilvy Podcast is Charlotte Dunn, the Employee Experience Practice Lead at Ogilvy, and we're going to talk about the state of corporate listening, how we can improve our own propensity to listen effectively, and how companies can improve the success of transformation initiatives just by listening more intently. Hi, Cheryl. How are you? Oh, hi, Steve. Thanks for having me. So why is it so hard to listen? Well, I think let's start with the fundamentals of listening overall and what needs to be in place in order for you to effectively listen. As an individual, you have to be present and you have to be uh, not distracted. And I think distractions today play a huge role in the inability to listen. I think when you have other things in your mind, that becomes a distraction as well as all of the social messages coming your way. You don't want to miss out on your what's going on in Facebook. You don't want to miss out on new Twitter posts. You don't want to miss out on emails you just got. And that is an issue that, that leads to being distracted. So the first thing is that you can't be distracted. What percentage of employees do you think are checking Facebook during meetings? Uh, that's a great question. I, I don't know that an exact percentage, but I would guess an awful lot are are not paying attention. An mm. awful lot, and and this is probably a behavior that that has been created that they can't pull away from. So there, there are different levels of listening. Active listening requires the most amount of of um, presence, and I think that a lot of times people have a hard time getting to active listening. There's a statistic out by Psychology Today that only 10% of us are truly effective at listening, which is a very small percentage. So we are missing out on a lot of communication that's happening. We're missing out on a lot of things that people are saying even through body language. So listening is more than just the auditory piece. It's about looking at the person holistically. The other thing that makes it hard to listen is we're often formulating a response as someone's talking, like we're waiting for our turn to talk versus truly listening to everything that person has to say. And as soon as we switch our minds to, I have to f- come up with a response, we're no longer listening effectively. Because I have that challenge now as I'm sitting listening to you, yes. I'm thinking, what's the next question I can ask 
to, to make me look smart right. and to you know, set you up for a good answer. Right. You're smart, Steve, though. <laughs> but, no, that's, that's right. And we all do it. We're all looking for the next thing. I want to make sure that I'm contributing versus I really should sit and listen first and then I can respond. So how do you really demonstrate that you're listening? I mean, what are, the, what are those components? What are those things that you can do to actually listen and, and show that you're listening? So I think the first thing is if you're in the room with a person, the body language you're showing, are you actually focused on that person? Is there eye contact? Are you looking at that person? Are you acknowledging you're hearing them? Are, are there head nods? That can That's a very good sign that somebody is listening. I don't know if you've ever been in the situation where you're having a conversation with somebody and you're looking at them and their eyes are looking right through you. That's that's a situation where somebody is not listening. They're, they've got something else on their mind. That's one of the most frustrating things that can happen. Um, I think if somebody's listening, they're also going to ask further clarification questions. They're going to acknowledge that they hear you and maybe um, repeat things back to you that they've heard. That that shows signs of active listening. You have that old uh, sales mantra of feel, felt, found. You, know, you listen to what your client is saying. You say, I, I understand how you feel. I felt the same way. Here's what I found. So it's, it's a way to, to launch what you want to say based on what you just heard yes. and what you, what you observed from what they're, right. what they're getting at. Exactly. So when it comes to the, the bigger corporate questions, um, how do companies demonstrate that they're listening to employees? Well, I think that that's a, that's a great question, and there, there are many, many ways that companies need to demonstrate this. First of all, they need to acknowledge that employees' input is important and have different vehicles and ways for them to provide input. This can't be done with a single annual survey. I think that's a big mistake and a missed opportunity for companies. They need to be interacting with employees on an ongoing basis. They have multiple levels of leadership. Managers should be listening to employees and, and getting feedback and responding. Then that should be laddering up to the senior executive team. If, if they are proactively soliciting input, they have to respond. And they have to demonstrate to employees how they're going to respond. That demonstrates we, we're listening. I think if employees give input and nothing happens, there's going to be frustration. And that's that's a culture kill right there. That if, if you provide input and, and nobody's listening and there's no response to it, then that's frustrating. Now, having said that, every piece of input can't be acted on. So I think there's a way to acknowledge that and to make sure that you just demonstrate we've heard you. Here's what we can and here's what we can't impact is, is the way to respond mm -hmm. to that. And obviously an executive can't respond to you know, 10,000 employees if they have a large organization. You know, how, if, you, if you're leading a large organization like that, how, you know, how, how do you delegate that listening in, a, in an effective way? How do you make sure that you're hearing from, from each of those different levels of management? And I think that's, that is up to each organization to figure out how they ladder it up. But that has to be an active, ongoing input circle. And, and a lot of companies use internal intranet or internal chat chat areas where an executive could go in and see all of the responses or the trending going on around a particular topic. They can actually go in and they can respond when they feel it's appropriate. Mm -hmm. Things like Yammer, if it's used effectively within a company, can can help do that when you have so many people to, to communicate with. Um, but also, when you do have an organization where it is so large that then you do have to rely on those managers who have those personal relationships with employees to, to act as a sounding board, act as a place for input, so that there is a face put to the, the, the way to communicate.
You know, our, our organization, Ogilvy, has adopted uh, the fishbowl platform as a way to solicit feedback and start conversations. And I wonder what, what does that mask of anonymity give to listening? Like, how does that affect how executives should treat feedback? Because I, I feel like when, when the feedback is anonymous, it's possibly more honest, right. but it's also a little more scathing sometimes. That, that, that's a great point, Steve. Uh, and, and just as you said, that people may be more comfortable, that they feel like if there's some negative feedback they want to give, they, they feel like this is a safe place to do it. So that in one route, that is a great way to get feedback you probably wouldn't have gotten if there were just face-to-face -face interactions. However, I think you do have to assess the response because some of them can be extremely negative and not productive. Mm -hmm. And if the intent of the response is productive, that will be pretty clear in, in the, the response you see. Mm -hmm. So in, um, again, in previous organizations, let's just say I've, I'm, I'm skeptical, I'm cynical. I, I have seen instances where it didn't feel like executives really took negative feedback to heart. And, and didn't really act on it. They ignored it or, or minimized it. How do you address the, when you, when you actually receive negative feedback that feels real as an organization, what should you do when it's, when it's really bad? Address it head on. That's the best way to do it. We hear it, acknowledge you, you've heard it, and then respond to what you can respond to. Some of the negative feedback there may be things that you ca you can't change or you can't respond to, but you have to communicate that we heard it. You have to acknowledge that you heard the negative feedback, and you will make changes if you need to make changes where you can make the changes. It feels like there's a time limit for that as well. Like you can't. It doesn't feel like you can wait to address negative feedback. Like it has to be addressed right pretty promptly right. if you want to change behaviors. Yeah, I, I think examples of that. Uh, if you look at what happened with Starbucks with their customer service, this this is an employee behaving with a customer, they took immediate action and, and demonstrate that. So a company internally as well needs to do the same thing. If there's negative feedback that's gonna have ramifications, they need to get on it immediately and address it and communicate it. That's the other piece that's, that's critical that needs to happen is effective communication around how you're responding to the negative, negative incident. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Starbucks. Are there other examples of organizations that really do a good job of listening to their people? I think uh, Southwest Airlines is, is a great example mm. that they have a, a tremendous employee culture because not only do they listen, but they empower employees. And that is a piece of it, of it as well, that listening also comes to um, having faith in your employees and empowering them to make decisions and then hearing what they did, which gives them a platform and sharing that out. So that's that's more of a two-way feedback where they, they have a really great culture because of that. So what are some things you can do to systematically institute best practices for listening in an organization? You mentioned the surveys may not be effective, but what are some things that you can build into a program? Well, I think first of all, um, your managers should be good listeners. So start there and, and define what the expectations are them with employees. What are your processes when you have negative impact that's either impacting an employee or it's impacting the way that you work. You should also have multiple mechanisms to get the input. So the survey is one way, but what else are you doing? How else are you doing? Are you having monthly meetings? Are you having a, a fishbowl opportunity for employees? Are there weekly meetings or monthly 
department meetings. There have to be different levels and different ways that employees can provide feedback where they're comfortable in at least one of these situations. So it really is, don't just have one way to, to get feedback or input, have multiple ways that you can listen to the employees and, and hear their, their input. I'm curious because we deal with a lot of organizations who are going through big transformative moments, merger, acquisition, product launch, new brand. If your organization is bad at listening, can you turn on a dime in those situations and, and become a good listening organization? You have to. I think in that situation, too, when there's such dramatic change, you're going to have a lot of employees that are are very concerned. There may be some discomfort with the change. That's going to require listening to individuals to understand what they're concerned about and addressing those. If you're not a good listening culture and a good listening organization, it's going to be awfully hard to make a, a dramatic shift that requires a change in your culture, too. Mm-hmm. So on a, on a personal level, to become a better leader, a better manager, you know, how do you cultivate those good listening habits yourself? I think, first of all, start out with eliminate all the distractions. Put your phone down. You know, that's step number one that a lot of people don't do. Mm-hmm. As soon as that, that phone is sitting on the table face up, you're communicating to that other person. You're not quite as important as, as an email I might be getting. So put that down. Make sure that you are acknowledging that person sitting face-to-face with them. That's the first step. Second is work on the active listening. And, th- and this is hard. Instead of trying to figure out what your response is, actively listen to what that person is saying and acknowledge what you're hearing. Um, also, look for the body language in that person. What are they What are they saying to you from a, a standpoint, from how they're sitting or how they're standing? What are they saying? Um, how should you respond to that? And what are you saying to them from a body language standpoint? Are you open to hearing them or are you closed off? These are all things that, that impact how well you listen. It's probably the same thing as a, as a company too. You can't, you probably can't shift on a dime. If you're a terrible listener right now, you can't start to engage, but you have to do it right. consistently. It can't be like, okay, this week I'm trying listening. Yes. You know, listening has to become a part of everything. It, absolutely. And, and it really is fundamental. It's foundational to how well you communicate, to how well people feel like they're being heard. It, it's, it's fundamental to communication. You, you have this uh, phenomenon of uh, mansplaining out there that's oh, been geez. going on where... Um, <laughs> You know, men don't listen or they listen and they hear something they don't agree with and they automatically pass judgment and start talking over someone or, or inter- interrupting and that type of thing. Like, um, what, w- what would be your advice to the mansplainers? How do, you, how do you switch from a position of mansplaining to actually listening and responding appropriately to things that you're hearing? How do you not judge what you're hearing from other people? It's called empathy, Steve. <laughs> And um, I think that's, that's a really important uh, aspect that a lot of times people don't start from that place is try to put yourself in the other person's position. Try to put yourself in the situation they've just been through, what they're trying to explain before you start telling them what they should be thinking or doing. That, that's, that's where I would start. There, we, we do put a lot of effort into understanding our customers and understanding what's out there, and, and uh, we don't always turn that lens on ourselves to you know, really understand what people are going through. And Right. And in that, I think we're missing. There's tremendous opportunity to miss different ways of approaching things or different ways of working. 
or we're missing great ways to connect with people when we're jumping over individuals and trying to help them clarify and explain what they're trying to say. You're missing what they're trying to tell you. And in that, there could be major insights that we're losing. Yeah, I think there, there's this tendency for some, for some leaders to treat their people as just resources, people that are you're here to do a specific job or a specific task. But as you look at inspiring creativity and encouraging people to do their best work, you know, you, you have to be open to what their opinions are, and especially if they're different than yours. Absolutely. Um, especially if they represent a different viewpoint, you know, more, more diverse, just something you, you didn't expect. You have to be open to yeah. actually letting, letting those diverse ideas come through. That's a, that's a great point, and I think that also speaks to uh, hierarchy. And when there's a hierarchy of titles or roles, you have to park those at the door. And that's, I think, often what gets in the way is that if you have somebody more senior who feels like they should be telling someone versus, okay, we're all equals here. Let's hear everybody's point of view. That kind of equalizes the room and then everybody is open to participate. That's a really important point that, that should really happen. Yeah, I find myself falling into the grumpy old man syndrome where I, 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 I'm cynical about an issue or a problem that I've dealt with for years. Yeah. And then someone comes to the table with a fresh perspective. And my initial response is to make sure that they understand why they should be cynical right. and against it. And so, but now I've been trying to you know, put the brakes on that and just shut up and listen to what they have to say with a fresh view on the problem and hopefully get to a different result. Has that worked? Well, I, I think so. I feel oh, like right. it has, you know, I, I feel like I'm not an obstructionist to progress. You, know, you don't want to be the one who's who's stopping new ideas from right. coming into the company. Right, and, and, and it's hard because I think in in our our line of business, um, we're all trying to demonstrate expertise. We're all trying to trying to contribute, and a lot of times that can get in the way of hearing new, fresh ideas. Yeah, you know, there's this, especially in, in industries like ours where there's a lot of smart people. And you start to get ego involved and, yeah. you know, everybody wants to be the smartest in the room and to have the best idea. And sometimes the smartest person in the room is the one who doesn't say a word. Right. You know, it's the quiet person in the corner who's just observing and learning and, and picking up on all those perspectives. Absolutely. And that's that's a, a lesson for companies as well. Like, how do you just shut up and let those, right. let those best ideas kind of percolate from the bottom of the company and right. find those... Um, Find those things that are going to change how you how you work and how you how do you deliver results. Absolutely, Cheryl. Great conversation. I feel like I listened a little. Did I listen enough? Am I did I pass the listening test? You you seem to have. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find. We'll see if anyone has listened yeah. to the podcast with their full attention uh, and taking notes back home. So thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me, Steve. We'll uh, we'll see you next time. Uh, thanks for listening to the Ogilvy Podcast. I'm Steve Mudd, marketing strategist, host of the Ogilvy Podcast, and agent provocateur. Join us next time when we analyze whether or not the Oscars ever really need another host ever again.